This is Radiate, the podcast that celebrates life and shines a light on life-restoring stories of organ, tissue, and eye donors, recipients, and information you need to know about donation. Welcome back to Episode 5 of Radiate. I'm Audrey Coleman, your host. Thank you for joining us today. Today we're going to shine the spotlight on ourselves. When a family's loved one becomes a donor, that does not mark the end of our relationship with that family. In fact, it's just the beginning. We have with us today Aurora's Manager of Family Aftercare, Beth Cameron, who's going to talk to us about this. Um, Good morning, Beth, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you. I'm very happy to be here. First of all, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and what led you to Aurora and the work you're doing now? Yeah, so I started my career as a volunteer manager for a local hospice and then moved into my role as a certified child life specialist at Arkansas Children's Hospital. So for people who aren't familiar with child life, that role is responsible for helping kids and families navigate the unfamiliar environment of the hospital, um, educating them about different medical conditions and procedures, really just helping them cope with trauma and loss, um, just whatever they might be going through. So after my time at Children's, I went back to working in the hospice field as a bereavement specialist. So I worked with Arkansas Hospice, where I provided grief support to families and helped to develop a bereavement program for kids and teens. I've always been very passionate about donation. I was very excited to sign up as a donor when I got my driver's license at 16. And then um, later on, when I was a teenager, I had a friend who died in a car accident. And I saw how much her ability to donate organs and help others really gave comfort to her family during an incredibly difficult time. So when this role at Aurora became available four years ago, I was very excited to be able to be part of the donation and transplantation community and to help support families and recipients. And Beth, let me tell you that we are very happy to have you on our team as well. You know, a lot of people, I think, when they hear about career paths that require them to spend time thinking about death, uh, when people think about those types of careers, my, my guess is that they automatically are going to say, no, I'm not going to do that. Um, but it is a critically needed area professionally and certainly serves an incredible purpose. What is it about that aspect of life? Because death is an aspect of life. It's a part of it. What, what about that draws you to it? I really see getting to work with families who've lost a loved one as just, it's an honor to be able to hear, to get to know the person that they lost through their stories. I absolutely love getting to talk to donor families and just listening about their person that they loved, how generous they were, how funny they were, how silly they were. Um, So really, I'm just getting to know all of these incredible people, getting to know their stories, um, and really learning about heroes every single day. Well, and and, you know, when I started out, I I said that, you know, really the donation process 
marks the beginning of a relationship that every donor family is invited to have with Aurora, and in particular, the aftercare department. So can you tell us kind of an overview in general? What, what is it like? What does it mean to be in the aftercare department? What does aftercare do? Like I said, I have the honor of working with donor families and recipients, providing support to donor families in their grief journey. Um, you know, working with our volunteers as well. So our volunteers are donor family members and recipients who are choosing to honor their donor heroes by sharing their stories and spreading the message about how important donation is. Um, But a lot of what we provide for our donor families in the aftercare department, um, we provide information about the donation. So, you know, how is their loved one helping people? How might their loved one help people in the future? And then also, you know, we work with families who wanted their loved one to be a donor, but maybe for medical reasons or other reasons, they weren't able um, for transplantation to take place after their loved one's death. So we still honor those families, um, honor that donor as a donor in spirit, And so we give them information as well about maybe why transplantation didn't take place and also information about um, why their loved one is still a hero, because it really is about the intention to give, the generosity to give, and not the outcome of donation that matters in making someone a hero. So in addition to the information we give families uh, about the donation, we provide connection between donor families and recipients when possible. And it isn't always possible in every situation, um, but we do, I work, uh, partner with the Donor Family Council as well. And so that is a group of donor family members and recipients who come together every quarter and through different events. They get together, they know each other really well, they work together. And a lot of them talk about um, that they are each other's adopted donor family or adopted recipient. So even if they never get to make a connection with someone that their loved one helped or from the recipient side, if they never get to make the connection with the family of the person who gave them this gift of life, they still get to see that other side and get to build those relationships. That's incredible. And I was just thinking the, the concept of donor in spirit that has to be really meaningful for those families who, who really had hoped that their loved one might be able to become a donor. And for whatever reason, that process was not able to be completed. Um, I'll bet that families are touched and sort of surprised that we still consider their loved one to be a hero. I really hope so. And we have found um that these families, whether you're an organ donor family, you're a tissue donor family, eye donor family, or a donor in spirit family, we get people from all walks of donation that come to our events and um, just talk to each other, share each other's stories. And it really, it's not about the outcome of that donation on the end. It's Mm -hmm. about sharing about your loved one's generosity and hearing those stories about that person and who they were. So, Beth, how do families find out about the services that you offer? And then I'd like to hear about some of those services, but how, how do donor families even know that, you know, aftercare exists? So we reach out to every single family 
um, through a letter initially, and it gives them information about how they can contact us. But also, you know, if a family, maybe their loved one was a donor years and years ago, and they've kind of fallen out of touch with our aftercare program, we welcome those families to reach out to us. Um, they can call us. My number is 501-907-9138. They can call me anytime, ask me questions, uh, find out more about aftercare. They can email our aftercare team at aftercare at aurora.org. They can go on our website, which is aurora.org. They can go on Aurora's Facebook page. Um, there's a lot of different ways to reach out to us and really just reaching out to me. If they ever have any questions, uh, I always welcome that communication. That's great. And it's great that, that you've made it so accessible for families to be able to contact you and to become part of part of the aftercare program. So let's talk a little bit more, uh, well, a little bit more specifically about some of the services that you provide in aftercare. Uh, what would you say is probably the one that you've been doing the longest? So I think probably the services that we provide to families, one big one that we offer is our events that we invite families mm -hmm. to come to, to connect with other donor families, um, to connect with some recipients that we know through the community. And one, my, well, I don't want to say I have a favorite event, but um, <laughs> one of our biggest events is our Celebration of Heroes Night at the Little Rock Zoo. And we welcome families, any family who's ever had a loved one who was a donor, we want them to come to that event, connect with us, connect with other donor families, um, and really just spend that evening with a large group of people who understand what it's like to have lost a loved one and also what it's like to have their loved one be a hero through this generosity. I mean, that is a fantastic event and between just between you and me, Beth, that is actually one of my favorite events as well. Um, it is extremely well attended. Um, we've been doing that for, oh my gosh, um, for as long as I can remember, and I've been here for quite a while. Um, what do families say they, when they leave that event, what is it that, that you find that they bring with them? What do they take away from that event? I think they take away from that event just comfort in knowing that their loved one is still remembered, is still important to a lot of people. You know, we, I hear from families a lot that they feel that months and years after their loved one is gone, that they, they don't necessarily want to talk about their loved one or that maybe other people don't want to hear about their loved one, but it's still so important to them. You know, just because that person's gone doesn't mean you still don't love them, that they're not still a part of your family. And so to be able to come with other people, whether it's been six months or six years or decades, you can still come and people want to hear your stories. They want to hear you speak your loved one's name. That's what it's all about. And, and that's, that's something that you really try to make an integral part of that event is speaking the names. It's really powerful when that happens. We see the reactions in families and staff as well. So Beth, isn't there a, another big event that you have usually in the fall, winter, fall sort of? holidays. <laughs> our other big event is our Hope for the Holidays event. So I think anyone who's ever lost 
a loved one knows that holidays and special occasions can be really rough. So we want to bring families together before the holiday season, usually before Thanksgiving, um, and just bring them together and give them some hope and support as they go into that holiday season. Let them connect with other families who are also going through similar things. Um, and so this event is really designed more for people who are in the newness of grief, who are maybe um, just beginning to walk that grief journey. So we invite donor families um, when it's been up to three years since their loved one's mm -hmm. death. And we encourage them to just come, you know, sit with another family, share their stories. We have uh, a meal together and then we have different people speak to those families, whether those people are donor families themselves who are further along on their grief journey, who can give some insight um, or recipients who are there just to thank every single family for their generosity and to share how much it has made an impact in their lives. Um, and we also, in that event, will have every family dedicate a rose. So we partner with the Donate Life Rose Parade float that happens on January 1st of every year in Pasadena, California. And so families are able to dedicate a rose that will actually be sent to California and be read aloud before being put on that float. So that's a really important part of that event as well. Well, Beth, since you mentioned that, let's let's hop over and talk a little bit about that. So um, I don't know how many people are aware. I hope a lot of us, a lot of our listeners are aware that Donate Life America has a float in the Rose Parade every year and that OPOs around the country, organ procurement organize, organizations like ours around the country have an opportunity to sponsor a recipient or a donor family to ride on that float. Is that correct? Yes. And we have done that more than one time, but sadly, we are not going to have the parade this year. Is that correct? That is correct. Unfortunately, due to the current situation with the COVID-19 pandemic, the Rose Parade for January 1st, 2021 was canceled. So we will not be able to send those roses this year or to send a donor family this year, but we are still looking at different ways that we can still honor every single donor family at that Hope for the Holidays event, which this year we plan to have virtually. Oh, so, so do you know how that's going to work? I mean, at first it probably seemed like a crazy idea, but now when someone says they're having a party or an event virtually, you just say, oh, what time? You know, there's not really any question about whether or not it can work. It certainly can work. So are you in the middle of planning for that? Or do you already have some things pinned down that you're thinking about doing? Don't share them because we want it to be a surprise. But are you pretty far along in your in your process, at least thinking about putting it together? So we are in the planning phase. We're exploring different ways to be able to bring all of these families together. Because like I've said, it is so important for donor families to be able to be with one another. So if we can't safely get together in an in-person event, we want to still be able to provide that meaningful experience to families virtually. So we, we do have some ideas on how to do that. So be looking for updates on that. Well, that's great. And if it's anything like what you've done in the past, it's gonna be fantastic. Um, 
I want to to make another little shift, though, and talk about something else. So, you know, we, we've talked about those big social events that aftercare sponsors, but you also focus very much on the individual when they request it, require it, need it. Um, what are some of those? I'm going to call them, you know, more personal, intimate, quieter um, events that you have with individual families. Um, we know that that you have facilitated uh, more than one donor family and recipient meeting each other. Um, and I think that you guys are also doing some other rather novel activities with donor families and recipients that um, I think are very well worth mentioning. So um, what can you tell us about those things? As far as our um, donor family and recipient meetings, those are whenever a donor family and a recipient have both reached out to one another through the letter writing process, which is always the first step in connecting with your um, loved one's recipients or as a recipient with Uh, the family of the person who made that gift to you. Once that step has taken place, both parties can sign release of information forms. So it's very important for us to protect identities of donor families and recipients. So uh, we make sure that everybody is okay with sharing their direct contact information, with making that connection. And then we'll walk them through the process of what a meeting might look like. And Mm -hmm. so for some families and recipients, that is something that they want to do on their own privately. And so we help support them through that process, get them ready for that meeting. For others, they prefer to have Aurora present um, to help guide them through some of the emotions that might come up to help make that a meaningful event. So we're always happy to um, help facilitate those meetings. And they are incredibly meaningful. I don't think I've ever attended one where there weren't a lot of happy tears, Mm -hmm. um, being able to make that connection with someone that your loved one saved their life. And in fact, uh, people could actually go onto our website and watch a couple of the uh, videos that um, illustrate what happened with some families in in creating a new sort of, as you said, another family between um, their recipients um, and the donor family members, that, that does happen pretty frequently. And we have some examples of that that we would love for people to go onto our website and view um, with more to come as well. Um, I understand also that there's yoga. You guys use yoga in some way? Yes. So our aftercare coordinator, Gina Juca, is in addition to her many years of bereavement experience, is also a registered yoga instructor. So she facilitates our grief yoga classes where families can come. Um, it's a very casual yoga class. There is no, you know, twisting into a pretzel position. It is for all levels of yoga practitioners, whether you've never done it before even people who may not be able to even get down on the ground on a yoga mat, Gina can modify any of those yoga positions to being something that you can do seated in a chair. And a lot of it is about, you know, working through the breath. And she does different mindfulness meditation practices throughout that yoga class. 
And the main focus of it is really just encouraging donor families to care for themselves. Grief can be so hard on your body and your mind and your spirit. So this is just a time for families to come and to focus on all of those aspects of caring for themselves throughout a difficult throughout a difficult period. What a novel way to provide grief services um, and at the same time helping families, helping individuals really connect with themselves and start to think about and feel what it is that they're really feeling, feel, getting in touch with that. So it's a really, really novel idea. Now, do what about any other counseling services? Are there actually counseling services that take place in aftercare? So neither myself or our aftercare, Gina, are licensed counselors. So we provide grief support. Um, mm -hmm. You know, we really see grief not as an illness. You know, we are not treating it or trying to cure it, but instead we're companioning a bereaved person as they navigate the newness of grief. So we can provide information about what's, what's a common grief reaction. We can really validate with families that what they're going through is normal, even though it may feel really abnormal. Um, and also we can let them know, you know, what they're, if what they're experiencing maybe isn't a common grief reaction and when they might need additional support. So counseling services or mental health services. And we're always happy to help connect a family to those services in their community. So we can provide referrals to counselors or different groups wherever they are in the state or even out of state. I'm always happy to do some research and some legwork to find them some resources. Why do you think it is so important to families to recognize their loved ones? And I mean, people probably think, well, you know, people die every day. That's true. But what is it about the donor family that makes us want to make certain that they are fully supported and that the gifts of their loved one are recognized. Why is this important to us and why is this important to donor family members? I think that there is a uniqueness in a death that includes donation. It, some donor families have described it as the best part of the worst day of their life. It, it's providing that family with an opportunity to continue their loved one's legacy, you know, a legacy of generosity, of kindness, of loving others. And it's just providing them a positive aspect throughout a really difficult experience of loss and grief. And so I think it's incredibly important to support those families and to connect them with other families that are having that unique experience as well so that they can share that together. And I can imagine that families leave events feeling really cared for. I hope that they do. And I think it's also important for us to, you know, not just recognize the donor as a hero, which they certainly are, but also that donor family as a hero, because there are certain additional steps that they had to take throughout the donation process. You know, they, in the midst of losing their loved one, they had to sit down and talk with us, maybe fill out some paperwork, maybe allow us to have some additional time for recovery to take place 
before they were able to make those final arrangements for their family. So, you know, even if that donor was registered, that donor family still supported that decision Mm -hmm. and walked with us along that donation journey. So it is so important for us to recognize that they are the heroes in this as well, because that is an incredibly difficult time in your life to not just be thinking about yourself, but to be thinking about everyone out there who can be helped by this person. And that is why we are so appreciative of having you and Gina and our aftercare department and the connections that you make with all of our many donor families and recipients. Uh, Beth, one one other question. So I, I know that you actually already mentioned it at the beginning, but you want to remind people again how they can get in touch with you if they know someone or if they themselves are interested in receiving some of these services? Yes. Yeah, so I always welcome a phone call from anyone who wants more information or even just wants to talk for a few minutes about their loved one at 501-907-9138. That's the direct line to my office. So if you don't reach me immediately, leave me a message and I'll give you a call back. You can also reach out to both myself and Gina at aftercare at aurora.org. We always welcome emails from donor families and recipients. And one question, I like to ask this of everyone, one additional question, Beth. So in, in your own words, why do you think organ donor registration is so important? Number one, you can save up to eight lives. In addition to organ donation, you can restore so many more lives through tissue donation. Um, I myself am actually a recipient of donated bone. It helped me in a spinal surgery to be free of a lot of pain I was experiencing. So you can help so many people through a tissue donation you know, sometimes up to 75. I have seen from our donors, um, people help even over 200 people, one person restore that many lives. Um, But I would say, you know, in addition to the recipients that are helped, it can be such a comfort to your family after you're gone to know that your legacy of generosity is living on in the people that you've helped. And I would encourage everyone, you know, Go beyond sharing that decision with the DMV or our website where you can register and talk to your family about it. When donor families share with me that their loved one was registered and that they told them about that, they can recall that experience Mm -hmm. and remember how much that meant to their person who died and really feel a lot of pride that they were able to help their loved one honor that decision. Beth Cameron. Thank you so much. This has been incredible. I I know that you provided some information that most people are completely unaware of, and we are so happy that you chose to share it today. If you have any questions for us, please call 501-907-9150. And if you're ready to make a life-restoring decision and register to become an organ, tissue, and eye donor, go to DonateLifeArkansas.org. Radiate is a production of Aurora and is hosted by Audrey Coleman, Aurora's Director of Communications. Copyright 2020.